You're listening to the Casual Swinger Podcast. As your host, we need to warn you that the material you're about to hear may be sexual or explicit in nature. This podcast is intended for an adult audience. Now, we don't expect you to act like adults. What's the fun in that? We're a married couple living in Florida with over 13 years of experience in the lifestyle, and we take almost nothing seriously. Casual Swinger is a variety show, meaning we'll cover everything from music to events, travel, and even the occasional hilarious screw-up. Our show is about entertainment. We're not licensed professionals. Not anything. And our stories, commentary, and guidance should not be confused with the opinions of a licensed professional. Now that you know, let's take those pants off and get comfy. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Casual Swinger. I'm your co-host, Mallory. God, it is sexy when you do that while you're rubbing your <laughs> naked ass leg. This is Mickey. I'm the other host of the show watching Mallory just sit here and look hot. Oh, I love you. I'm in my fuzzy slippers and robe. It's, it's I'm really, naked underneath. You are. I can see that. I'm. This is going to make recording this lead in really difficult, but I'm going to I'm going to soldier through because I believe Anyway, guys, this is <laughs> season three, episode seven of Casual Swinger. My name's Mickey, and this episode's called Heaven Forbid. Mm, what does that mean, Heaven Forbid? Well, this episode's going to be kind of a twist for some of our listeners, and you know, not all of our listeners are in the lifestyle. A lot of folks that listen to the show are sex positive, or or just thinking about the lifestyle, or want to hear more about it. Maybe they're fascinated by it. And we've heard a lot in the news recently about Jerry Falwell Jr. and Liberty University and kind of his fall from grace. And and it really struck a chord with me. Uh, you know, there's a few things in my history in the Virginia area that have to do with Liberty. And I really felt like it was important. I came across a quote, and, and I want you guys to hear this, and then we're going to talk about a bunch of other shit, and then we'll get into this episode. But I want you to think about this quote while you hear what happens today on Casual Swinger. I'm ready. This quote says that when the evangelical sexual ethic is built on shame, we can't be surprised when hidden lives are exposed. When the evangelical pursuit of power is celebrated as God's divine plan, we can't be surprised when the mighty continue to fall. Mm-hmm. Think about that yeah. as you listen to the conversation we have today with one of our favorite people. And, you know, we say this with every guest because we love all of our guests. But this guy, first of all, one of our, one of our top rated shows that we've had yet. And we had Mitch and Cindy, who are seventh dimension coaches, but they're non-denominational evangelical leaders from the great left coast. Yes. Yeah, we we really do love these guys. Um, Some of the conversations I've had with them over the course of the short time we've known them at this point. I mean, it feels like I've known them forever, but they they really struck a chord with me. And I, I really feel we were meant to become friends. Yeah. That was oh, well, the, the universe. They yeah. kind of just floated up to us in the Literally. ocean. They really did. And Literally. I really believe you that they were meant to meet us because we have had some conversations that have even changed my views on faith, which is pretty hard to do. Very, very hard. And I was so excited that he was willing to join us to have this conversation for you, for people out there that do have faith but are concerned about your livelihood or your life or, or your life in your church and your community, should you ever be outed. Uh, how to deal with it, and where some of these things come from and create these situations. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later because we got a little bit more of this lead-in we want to get in for you guys. So let's get to the good stuff first. Let's give some folks some reasons to go to some websites and click on stuff and do things and play okay. with themselves. All right, wait. What's first? <laughs> What's first? Let's have about <laughs> Double Date Nation. Oh, yeah, that's right. We have, what, 25 days left yes. to, as of today. This releases tomorrow, so 24. Yes. Um, before the Lifetime Membership yes. special dealio runs out. And if they sign up for the Lifetime before September 30th, they're entered in to a drawing to get a free womanizer. That's right, a womanizer premium, courtesy of casualtoys.com. Now, this sounds like a cheesy ad, but it's really not. We love those guys. We're not advertising for them, per se, but they are going away. Whether you enter or not, whether you buy a lifetime membership or not, you won't be able to buy it on October 1st. But that if you true. buy it between now and then, then you're going to get access to that app. And trust us when we tell you there's something coming you're going to want to be a oh, part of. Oh, man, I can't wait till it's announced. Um, but if you want to jump on and try it, I think you get how many days free? Well, you get 90 days, but you you don't have 90 days to buy the membership, right? No, no, but I'm just saying if they want to try it first before they make a decision. Yeah, so you can use our code or anybody else's code for that matter and get 90 days free. Our code happens to be casual19, and you can get 
that 90 days. So you can use, you know, 23 of those days. Just make sure that you do the lifetime if you're going to do it before September 30th. Because on September 30th, he's going to give me a name. When he gives me a name, we're going to send you a Womanizer Premium. That's a $200 sex toy. And ladies, it is life-changing. I, That's what you said about my penis. Fucking, well, it did change my life. I, I, I committed to that penis. You did. For, for and you've been walking funny ever forever. since? Only sometimes. <laughs> I've acclimated. Oh, now you can just take it. Well, look, that toy's not just a toy. Matter of fact, we saw some friends just a couple of weeks ago. We're going to talk about that here in a couple of minutes. But we actually broke out that womanizer and talked about it. I think I talked about it at length for like 35 minutes. It yeah. was a little embarrassing. It was no, like a seminar it was great. on the It's great because like you're so technical about it. And it's just so cute to see you hold my you know pussy vibrator and go over like the technical like attributes and the design and the patents and the performance and the guarantees that I'm like sex toy. Don't give an engineer a sex toy because we will break that shit down. It was like a snake oil salesman, but it's actually good product. It was just hilarious. Maybe I'm just fucking good at it. Okay. It slices, it dices and it does hair. (laughs) Like it was, it was good. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Hey, you know what? Speaking of things that are prizes for you, you have a birthday coming up in less than two weeks. That's a secret. Guess what? Everybody Mallory's turning 21. (laughs) Yeah, finally. Ugh. Oh, it's been a long time. I coming. hate having to ask you to buy me beer. <laughs> That's right. We got yeah. a birthday coming in the yeah. Casual Swinger Studios. So we're going to talk about that at some point, too. Maybe next episode. We still don't know what we're going to do. So where should we go for Mallory's birthday? Let us know if you're listening to this episode right now where I ought to take this sexy girl for her birthday in the COVID times. I just want you to go down. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to do that as soon as this recording's over. You keep showing me that. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> there that is again. Oh, <laughs> I swear. All right, but we have a few rooms left for our November trip with oh, Rachel's Rascals. Oh, that's right. We're almost sold out. We right? are. We're almost sold out for the trip. We still have a couple of rooms and a couple of categories left. That is November 7th through the 14th at Hedonism 2 in Negril, Jamaica. Mm, home. And we have not been there since February. Last time I was there, I got sick as shit and missed most of the trip, so I'm really, really, really looking forward to going back. Yeah, I'm really excited, too. Yeah, so join us and join our friends at Dirty Perv Week, who are going to be there this right. same week. We are, you know, they're at Secrets this weekend right now, and we're. Not I there. heard, I heard everyone. Yeah, everyone's been, you know, messaging and like they look like they're having a great time. They really so do. So good on them. I'm really glad they're there and they're having a good time and they're really blowing the roof off that joint, which is a good thing. But they're going to be with us. Uh, they're going to be there. Well, a long time along with us at the same time. Let me get that right. But it's uh, it's going to be awesome, and that's at Hedonism 2. That's November 7th through the 14th. We still have a couple of rooms left. Come join us for a party that's going to melt your face. Love it. And you can find that under the Travel With Us tab on CasualSwinger.com. That is also correct. Or you can go yourself to Rachel'sRascals.com. That's R-A-C-H-A-L Rascals.com. Rachel's Rascals. And uh, go check it out and see what the rates are and what rooms are available. What else we got? What have we been up to? How about PCAP? VPCAP? Yeah, I was going to say, we did a thing. We did a thing with our friends. That, you know, so when PCAP got canceled, it was a heartbreaker for a lot of us, especially as content creators who support Kate the way we do. We love what she does. We love her attention to detail. And when it got canceled, we were heartbroken for her because I really wanted the world to see what she created. We got some inside views to what PCAP was going to be. And I've never seen anything like it. I've been doing this a long time. Yeah, and with everything she had planned, I'm pretty sure what's going to happen is all of that badass shit she had, like, teed up, it's going to be that plus a bag of chips. Yeah, it gives her an extra year to plan. Yeah, yeah. So super stoked for uh, the announcement when she's ready to roll that out. Yeah, me too. And how horny is everybody going to be after everything Oh, my gosh. It's going to be, like, Caligula, Uh. (laughs) I think. Oh, God. I don't know I what don't the know. theme is going to be. I don't know if she's going to change the theme or keep the stuff she did. It's, But it's just going to be amazing. And trust us, we saw a lot of this, and we were brokenhearted to miss out on it. So what we did is we hooked up with Double Date Nation for virtual podcast of Palooza and said, we're going to do something that people can really relate to, right? Because we had some opportunities to do some some silly things or some crazy things. I love, love, love what the Bad Hoppers did. Yes. The live reading of a porno was just awesome. But we decided we were going to do a live double date with Double Date Nation. And we were going to talk about prepping for a date, the do's, the don'ts, like the things to eat, the things not to eat, uh, how to act, how how to act after a successful date, how to act after a bad date. But the best part was we set it up 
like a date with like tables and silverware and well, drinks yeah. and a butler. Oh bring- <laughs> my gosh, our waiter, um, who was Jay from Average Swingers, mm-hmm. special guest, and his beautiful wife handling some of the technical stuff and making sure you know everything was going smoothly in the background. But I mean, oh my god, he knocked it out of the park. It, it was, was hilarious. so good. And there was things that we didn't. And what I love about working with Jay and Angie is we don't even have to talk. Like, so here's what happened. So Angie was working the terminal and she could see the questions that were coming in. Uh-huh. She was writing them down on pieces of paper. And when Jay would come up and do the silly shit, yes, was that's keeping, right. he was handing me slips of paper with the questions on them so I could answer them. And I had no terminal in front of no, me. No, and I had no idea this was going on. I was like, is this a fucking ransom note? Yeah. Like, what's happening? But it, not just it was that. genius. Jay was dressed as a butler. He had a tuxedo on from the waist up, but he was ass naked from the waist down. I love that the napkin was over his penis, though. Oh, that God. was cute. So for those of you that don't know, Jay from Average Swingers has a robo dick, which means his dick never, ever, ever goes down until he wants it to. That's amazing. Which is amazing. I so think that's like a big selling point. Like if you had to have a resume for like sex, that has to be at the top of the list. I, I, I'm sure it's somewhere on, on Angie's list. Like, my husband's penis never, ever, ever on goes down. Angie's list? That's yeah. kind of funny. Angie's list. <laughs> <laughs> but Dave and Andy were fantastic. I love collaborating with those guys as well. Like, they're just amazing. Yeah. Well, I honestly think Jay stole the show from all of us because I really oh, don't want to sure. sell uh, Dave and Andy short. They were so great. We had such good chemistry with them. It really helped sell I know. some of the conversations. I thought I was like, we're going to close the deal. This is happening. I thought we were getting late no, at the end of the date. I really did, but <laughs> it didn't work out. It was really Dave's fault. Yeah. yeah little sexy dude. LSD. Hello. <laughs> but it was so much fun. If you get a chance, make sure to check out some of the video from Virtual Podcast of Palooza because those are still available. Check with Kate at Swinging Down Under or check out podcast dash a dash palooza.com for information about next year's event or getting video from this year's event because some of it is downright awesome we got a thing session on consent was also very well received love it oh i'm not surprised at everything those guys do it's fantastic yeah and i gotta tell you with everything that's been going on it really was good to see dave and andy and jay and angie and that fed my soul it did. Hard. And I, I mean, know there's a lot of people that get worked up right now about people that are getting together during COVID. What I can tell you guys is that all of us made sure that we didn't really see anybody else for two weeks, right? We did take a flight there, so and we wore masks and did all that. We did everything we could do to protect ourselves, but we really wanted to give the most back to the community that we could. Yeah, you're so absolutely right. We took a risk, uh, and so far it's worked out fine. None of us are sick. We're all fine. We're uh, yeah, we're just good. Just as crazy and perverted as we were before it happened. But it was really good to see our friends. Yep, and I'm still horny. You Oh, I can tell. So let's talk a little bit about Heaven Forbid and Mitch and Cindy and, and really why we felt like we needed to do this. I know at the beginning of the lead-in we talked about the quote that really struck me and made me think about this. But Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you that don't know, um, Jerry Falwell Jr. Um, I was asked to leave Liberty University based on the fact that his wife was having sex with a pool boy. And for eight years, for eight years. And now it's coming out that it was a air quotes, an affair. And it was unbeknownst to him. But according to the pool boy, Jerry Falwell Uh, Jr. uh, Bullshit. Yeah. Like to watch. So essentially this, this was framed as a hot wife situation. And based on the fact that he probably had money coming his way, as long as he morally could stay intact, here comes the wife and, you know, like a speed bump under the bus. Yeah. Well, I, she threw herself under the bus. And yes. what we found out during the course of this interview is she threw herself under the bus for $10 million. Yeah. What would you not do for $10 million, Mallory? Tell our listeners. Um, I do a lot for free. So <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it seems really archaic in the dichotomy of the relationship. Like, you know, the male, you know, ego and the male morality has to stay intact, but it's much more acceptable for the, female to be this vicious trollop yeah and that that just hits me in a spot that i don't like well and i didn't like it either obviously and what i really don't like is is the articles that have been flowing freely since then oh yeah other evangelical celebrities have taken a shot there's a a comedian we talk about during the interview that that took a shot uh cnn actually came out with an article about cuckolding yeah very, very soon after that and talking about, uh, frankly, how cuckolding could be a positive for certain relationships. So I, I kind of like that. And I bet our friends like Cuckoldress Venus or, or Front Porch or people like that who hot wife or cuckold or stag vixen or any, anybody that's, that's in, in those that, sort that, of spaces yeah. 
is probably down and, and they're probably happy to hear that there's the conversations happening. Right. But what we wanted to focus on is not that aspect of it, not the cuckolding or the hot wifing, but yeah. why is it as an evangelical that it's news, number right. one, why is it news that they were having consensually non-monogamous sex? Right. Why is that news, number one? And why were they vilified for it? Why did he have to leave his position over it? And what does it mean for evangelicals that are lifestyle, are sex positive, do have fantasies, do act on their fantasies? What happens? And and should they be afraid? Yeah, and and that that goes for the entire funnel, not just evangelicals, but you know, religious or people of faith in general. You know, I think that's a, a legitimate concern because when you talk about evangelicals, I think someone who's got more, uh, they're they're more seen yeah. right in the public eye. So they're they're put on a pedestal. They look to his people look to them as leaders in that community. They do. And like you said in your quote, you know, they they don't have a choice at this point but to fall from grace. Yeah. When shame is your weapon and you were appointed by God, you said it. Exactly. And there's this puritanical mindset, right? And if we're created in God's image and I'm a sexual being, why is that a bad thing to be sexual or even talk about sex? Yeah. And if you were created in his image and you're sexual, then he is too. So what's the problem? You got me, man. So this is some of the <laughs> stuff we stumped. talk about today yeah. on Casual Swinger. Now, we recorded this just a couple of mornings ago, so you're going to hear a good morning. It's not morning right now. No, well, it may be morning. With, it might be. With Actually, listening. it will be by the time a lot of them yeah. get this because this yeah. is going out tomorrow night at midnight. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, can I share my new word? Oh, let's hear your new word, your new college word. All right. So in talking to Mitch, he used this word called uh, perichoresis, which I had never heard before. And it actually references, um, it's, it's I think, Greek, if hmm. I remember correctly. Isn't that anal? Um, Greek is anal, But right? it talks about the relationships of uh, the the Holy Trinity, right? The, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And his take on it and, and his description, I mean, I, I that made me actually a little happy because I never thought of it in that perspective. I don't want to give away the No, this is an interview you got to hear, guys. But, Listen to this one all the way through to the end because you're going to hear words like perichoresis. And you're going to hear from one of our most lauded guests, somebody that everyone loves listening to, and a guy that might just change the way that you look at faith and evangelism. I I will say, um, for me personally, I've been impacted 100%. Yeah. Not, I just, that sounds like I, I have constipation. Can I'm really that glad out? that you fixed that. Yeah. I'm going to leave it. Mallory's <laughs> impacted, folks. Oh, my God. No, no. But he... I just love the guy. I love listening to him. In fact, in the interview, I had to stop and take, like, really, really digest every single word. He really did. Yeah. He blew us away. He always blows us away. He blew us away when we met him. He blew us away at Hito. And I think he's going to blow you away today and help you if you are a person of faith and you do have fears about everything that's going on and how these people have been yeah. treated. This is going to be a perspective-changing sure. episode of Casual Swinger for you. But before we get out of here, why don't you let everybody know where they can find us? Oh, I thought you would do it this time since you, oh, no, you, you no. closed no, no, that the... That did not go well. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. All right, guys. We're Casual Swinger everywhere. Uh, reach out to us at CasualSwinger.com. You can contact us there or podcast at CasualSwinger.com if you have questions. Uh, you could find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, as well as the dating sites because, you know, we're swingers, so we like to fuck. That's Double Date Nation, SDC, SLS, Cassidy, and Quiver. I like it so much better when she does that, and I know you do too. We'll be back in just a minute after this with more Heaven Forbid. You've been listening to Casual Swinger. Oh, God. <laughs> everybody good morning and welcome back to casual swinger my name is mickey and i'm mallory i am so excited to be back with you guys today for this one i know we talked about it in the lead-in but this is an episode that a couple of weeks ago we looked at each other and said we have to do it and you know what we're talking about is the news cycle for the last couple of weeks it's been utterly dominated by the fall from grace of jerry falwell jr his resignation from his post as president of Liberty University has spiritual and political implications for millions of people around America, maybe the world. His life's work's at an end, at least for now. 
His followers, fellow parishioners, and students are questioning his dedication, his moral compass, and his faith in response to allegations of his hot wife relationship spanning eight years between he and his wife and a now 28-year-old pool boy from Miami. The question we need to answer today is why? So today we're going to examine the nature of evangelical superiority, the power of the cancel culture, and its foundations in shame. We're going to talk about the sobering reality of the now validated fears between the scores of sexually liberated and evangelicals around the world. What happens when I'm discovered? So we're joined today by two of our favorites. We're joined by non-denominational religious leaders, pastors, hedonists, and our friends, Mitch and Cindy. Guys, how are you? Good. Good to be with with you guys. Oh, we miss you so much. We miss you guys too. Too far away. Yeah, that that whole continent between us is really a bitch. It is. <laughs> but look, guys, I, I, and we've got a lot to cover here. There's so much going on in the world today, and I can't thank you enough for getting up at O Dark 30 to do this with us because you knew this mattered so much to us. But thank yeah. you for that. You're welcome. So first of all, Mitch and Cindy, you guys are together for, at first. So how have you been? Tell us what you've been up to, and then we'll kind of get into our questions. Yeah, thanks for asking. It's been a hard year, like for everybody. It's the weirdest year I've ever experienced. And uh, we've had some kind of big losses and uh, some things that bring some sadness and grief. Um, Travel got canceled. We had a trip to Europe that got canceled to celebrate an anniversary. And that was kind of hard. Um, we had our daughter's wedding postponed, um, which would have been our first wedding and something we were totally looking forward to. And while it's still going to happen, that got postponed. And um, just other stresses and anxiety. So, um, yeah, on a personal level, I don't want to lie and say it's all been peachy because it's not. Um, It's been a really hard year. Uh, How about you, honey? Yeah, I would agree. I think travel, the loss of travel things that we had, work or uh, fun related, has been difficult. Just, you know, you look forward to things and it's been difficult to, there's been a lot of losses for a lot of people. And not just uh, people dying of COVID, but other things of disappointments, of expectations. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is why we look forward to fun times to interact with people like you. It keeps us going. He, he's talking about you, Mel. <laughs> it's definitely not Oh, same here. I think I didn't realize how much I depended on being transient to stay connected with people um, until all of this happened. So right. for me, emotionally, yeah. mentally... Same thing. A lot of a lot of things got canceled. Um, you know, the physical distances between people I, I truly deeply care about has been a struggle for me because I depend on those little glimmers in between, you know, you know, indeterminate amounts of time throughout the year. And now it's just been not at all. So it's I think everyone's kind of in that same boat. Yeah. Yeah. You realize how important people are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of long, awkward hugs from me the yeah. first time I get to see my people. Make it weird, honey. I'm going to make it weird. weird. <laughs> all right, so let's dig into Major this thing because we got a lot going on here today. So, so Mitch and Cindy, first of all, your episode with us was one of our most popular for so many reasons. You guys have an honest and heartfelt approach to God that inspired our listeners and honestly gave us a little bit of our faith back mm-hmm. in religious leaders. So Jerry Falwell Jr. found himself in a genuinely miserable situation and as a religious leader and as a result of his alleged participation in the lifestyle. The subsequent explosion has ended his career. His wife's reputation has been ruined, partly by her own doing, because she came out in front of it. But And now his role in the church. Is is anything about this okay? Yeah, that's a great question. What a debacle it seems like. It's crazy. You know, it, my first thought to that question is, I think he'll be just fine because I read somewhere that he's getting a $10 million severance from the university. So, okay, you know, most of us would yeah, most of us wouldn't care about being outed with that kind of consequence um, of a $10 million severance. So, uh, you know, that's okay. But, you know, it's not okay because if you believe the pool attendant, and uh, I'm not sure if we have any reason to not believe him at this point, but if you believe the pool attendant, the plan from the beginning was kind of to throw his wife under the bus, for Jerry to throw Becky under the bus to protect himself, and then to call Granda, the pool attendant, a predator. And it's never okay to treat people as disposable. That's just wrong. Uh, that's not okay. Um, It's also not okay because it's an example of an institution, in this case, Liberty University, demanding to control someone's private life and dictate what they do or don't do. All those behaviors make this really, really not okay. 
Um, on the flip side, though, it, it sort of is okay. It's, it's actually really good because I think it's an indicator of a number of things. Um, things like you, you can't use your personal belief system to legislate morality. And um, if we're to go back, right, th this movement started with Jerry Falwell's father, Jerry Falwell Sr. in 1979, who founded the Moral Majority, right? And some of your listeners are old enough to probably remember that and others like, what? Whoa, 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 what what's that? Um, and that was the impetus behind religion uh, using its power in the political arena. Really, the religious right was just built off of this movement. Um, and so this is huge. This is why it's such a huge story, because when you come from a father who founded the moral majority and then this happens, people look and go, uh, where's the disconnect here? But at a deeper level, it's, to me, it's just one more example of how there's a sickness within the evangelical movement that contributes to this kind of hypocrisy. And I'll put that in air quotes there, okay? Like hypocrisy saying one thing and then doing something else. Mm -hmm. But again, Liberty University has a reputation for being one of the most judgmental, legalistic, religious institutions of higher education. So this is why this is sort of okay. It feels like a bit of a purifying. And it points out how this is really about some deeper issues like power and shame, right? The evangelical sexual ethic is built on shame. The evangelical pursuit of power is celebrated as God's divine plan. Should we be surprised then when the mighty continue to fall? So, yeah, there's a few thoughts for you. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think once that standard is set, you know, you have no choice but to fall from grace because it's that's a high bar. And yep. I think it goes against our nature as as human beings we're very very sexual yeah and mitch pointed out something that they that actually came up during the uh it was the zoning or not the zoning but the city council of fort wayne illinois when they were trying to shut down the champagne club right their mayor actually said you cannot legislate morality it actually came up in a yes. legal session just about six months ago yep mm -hmm. yep and i'm glad that there's people speaking out using that language yeah and that some will yeah. always continue to try. But that's at the heart of this issue, right? Yeah. So with all this going on, should sex positive ev evangelicals be worried about their own like possible exposure or being outed in this environment because of that? Yeah, good question. I, I think that depends. Um, if, if you plan to play the evangelical game or, or happen to be in the type of religious environment that will cast you out, then yes, you better be worried. Um you don't have to be worried, but you better be extremely careful. Um, this this happened. You know, we had this happen to us early on uh, when we were just kind of getting used to what what is this what is this like? And we were getting used to just nakedness, and we'd gone to a nude beach, and we were on a trip, and uh, we were with a couple who were friends uh, at a river, and um, and Cindy decided to say to her friend, "Hey, what what if we take our tops off and tan topless?" And the girl was like, okay, yeah, let's do that. And uh, me and, and, and the guy were away getting beer or something. And when we came back, the girl started freaking out. Like, oh, we got to put our tops back on because the guys are coming back. And so all this discussion happened. And then Cindy shared that we you know we'd gone to a nude beach and et cetera. Long story short, these friends just freaked out on us and uh, basically came to our house and accused us of being pedophiles because of the fact that we were comfortable with our nakedness. And then they went farther and they went to the church and she was in counseling at the church with a pastor and she told the pastor everything. And then he told a bunch of people, which legally is not even allowed in a counseling situation. So this is something we can relate to a little bit. I mean, it's not at the level, obviously, of what we're seeing here in the news, but when people go and they talk and then churches decide that they can do things and try to control people's lives, it creates problems. I mean, we went through months and months of having to talk to people and explain to them and tell them. The cool part was everybody everybody supported us. Everybody just was like, you guys are fired. Not even an issue. But that's the kind of thing that happens if you play the evangelical game. I'm but, flabbergasted. You know, I am too yeah. because the it sounds like the the precipice, the the thing that drove that person to go talk about it in counseling and, and give out information about somebody else who obviously you guys were in counseling too and then for them to share that was to change your behavior that made them uncomfortable or they disagreed with, which. Exactly. Yeah, it was it, more about them. Yeah. Exactly. 
It, it was totally about them. And I was told later by someone that really knows who's a professional and a consultant in this whole industry, what happened in that church? I could have sued the church. We could have sued the church and won because you're not allowed to even do that. So a lot of what happens in this kind of, you know, trying to legislate morality world are churches or organizations doing things that they are not even allowed to do. It's actually illegal to do that. I look back, you know, I, I don't want to be the kind of person that sues churches, but part of me wishes I had done that just for the justice of what was going on there, that the pastor listened to it, then the pastor gossiped and went and told, and it was a mess, you know, so... There are yeah. times when you have to stand up and teach their bitch ass a lesson. Right. <laughs> that, Education, that sounds like one of them. Edu- well, it's all good for them for taking it and going, this is an educational opportunity because everyone yeah. already knows. And if they're coming to us and, and they want clarity, you know. Yeah. Are we yeah. suggesting, Mitch, that there's a potential witch hunt in certain realms of the evangelical culture? Now that this is out, now that all these articles are coming out and this conversation is starting, I mean, is, is that something we're looking at here? That's a great question. Um, I would not say from a macro sense, no. The whole evangelical movement is not a witch hunt by any means. But I do think there are people embedded in it that, yeah, they've got far too much time on their hands. And they would love to be able to find out more dirt and expose it if you could. And I've had a little experience with that and seen that. So I wouldn't doubt if we saw more and more of that happening. When something's this public, you don't exactly have to do that. Um, right, the, the, the news and information flows pretty freely, but uh, yeah, there might be some that are that dangerous. You know, the, I would assume a lot of your listeners have left the system, though the evangelical system. For those that might have identified at one point, you know, in, in that way. So, you know, if that's what you've done, if you've left this system in a way that no longer offend, affects you, or you happen to be fortunate enough to be in a faith community that doesn't think your personal life is any of its business or better yet, might even applaud your freedom, then no, you probably have nothing to worry about. And and there are places like that, which is which is amazing to me that, you know, there are faith communities that people realize you, hey, people have freedom and it's really their personal lives are none of our business. If you're part of that kind of faith community, you're probably good, but you, you still should be wise, right? Um, even Jesus says this quote, be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. And uh, I think that applies to this whole area that we're talking about. Um, there are so many that have left the, the evangelical church as well. They're called ex-evangelicals or de-evangelicals. Um, and one reason so many people, again, are leaving the evangelical church in droves is because of this type of hypocritical policing behavior. Wow. I've never heard those terms before, but now they're going in my lexicon. Just yeah. FYI. Yeah. Um, so back to Becky Falwell. Um, when she came out ostensibly in support of her husband and she took full responsibility for this affair, she denied like all the involvement um, from her husband and claiming that this eight year uh, was an error in uh, judgment for the affair. So in your opinion, what's what's the play here? I mean, will it work? Do you think like the audience that's listening and watching this believe that it was just her having an affair? Mm, yeah. You know, my my read on that, it's hard to tell at this point, but in, in that system, it's safer if she's the scapegoat and she takes the blame, right? Um, it, it's possible that if he's implicated, if Jerry's the one implicated in this in any way, shape or form, he forfeits his ability to receive his $10 million severance. Mm. So I don't know that to be a fact, but so much of this can become about money. Uh, case in point, in 2018, another megachurch pastor, who I'm sure many of your leaders would be familiar with if I said his name, was accused of at least 10 women of, uh, of inappropriate emotional and sexual involvement. And uh, this is a person on the global scale um, that actually was speaking to more people than probably any religious leader um, uh, any, anywhere. Uh, and uh, so when he was accused of these things, which all were under investigation and found to be true, no, uh, he went underground, just disappeared, took an early retirement, and nobody could figure out why. And uh, then later on, uh, I, I came to found, find out that uh, he's worth about $40 million. Uh, and if he admitted anything, he would be the likely target of a lawsuit. And so really, this became about the money again, just disappeared, no ownership, no admission, no apology even, and disappeared off the face of the earth. You know, but but ultimately it, it won't work because who are we more likely to believe? Right. Are we going to believe them or the pool boy? Think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. 
Well, I, so Mallory, I have a question for you. Would you would you declare yourself a harlot in front of all creation for us to get ten million dollars? Oh, I'd do it the second, but <laughs> we'd probably do it for a hundred I mean, bucks. I, I I'm I'm a little bit of a rebel. I'd wear my scarlet letter with pride. You know, I wouldn't go into hiding. You know, I think we've reached a point in our lives and our relationship that if we were outed, I I don't a hundred percent. I I wouldn't have a choice. You know, we do it to protect our livelihood and our vanilla lives. I think we do it more to protect our kids, right? Because we, you know, our kids are older, but we don't want them to have to apologize for us. Well, and and then that goes hand in hand too, Mm -hmm. right? You know, because if something were to happen and we lost our jobs because of that, would suck. It's is it plausible? Maybe, likely, probably not. But also, our we have kids that are under eighteen, so yeah, yeah. So I that's why that's wise as a serpent. Yeah, yeah, and it's just not to do anything utterly stupid. So. Let's talk about getting outed for a second. As a person of faith, how would you advise a person of faith to react when they're outed within their own individual faith? That's a lot yeah. of faith. Yeah, great question. That's probably, probably probably the scariest question we might talk about here today yeah. in a way because I, I think so many people live with that fear all the time. A, f- a few thoughts come to mind with that. Um there's a scripture where uh, Jesus even says, woe to you when all people speak well of you. And what that reminds us is no one's ever going to fully agree with you. And yet many of us are people pleasing enough that we want everybody to agree with us, like us, accept us or whatever. And yet from Jesus standpoint, when all people speak well of you, you're probably doing something wrong. You're not living true to who you are. So when this kind of thing happens, no, you're in good company. You're kind of in Jesus company because he got rejected for telling the truth about things as well. Um, which I just find a really interesting verse. Um, There's another verse in the book of James that says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And I think that would be a really good place to start. If if something happens, if, if information comes out, listen, don't do a lot of talking, don't get angry. Um, you know, take the high road, be, be the bigger person, stay humble. Uh, I, I once heard a very wise person once say, you, you have no need to be defensive. And yet our first reaction probably is just to get really defensive. So what a great example when something happens, when you can be the bigger person and not be defensive, even when you're accused, wrongly accused, attacked, slandered, uh, things come out that shouldn't come out about you. The way you respond can be an example of really love and goodness, which says something about the kind of person you are. So don't let someone else, you know, change that. Now, at the same time, don't don't expect others to understand your views on consensual non-monogamy. Um, that's not going to be an easy sell. No. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just not. It's going to take some time. I mean, eventually, who knows? You know, someone could get there and, and you might want to. Uh, do a little research on that and have your have your ducks in a row for how to explain it. But don't expect them to understand that right off the bat. But again, this stuff's happening all the time. I mean, in my own experience, I, I had one experience with a with a male worship leader that hooked up with a female pastor and their spouses, and so they were swinging in that way and and got outed, and uh, it sort of became a problem for a while, and then it sort of went away for them. Um, another church where I was actually at, where two couples in the church, um, were swinging together. Um, sadly one couple ended up getting divorced, but, um, it came out and they ended up being okay. Um, I heard about, it wasn't mine, but in a counseling situation where a woman couldn't forgive her best friend. And when asked why in this counseling situation, it was because they'd had a threesome and her friend was having her husband's baby. Now try to figure that out in the counseling situation. Oh, yeah, um, that, you know, that's heavy. Yeah, yeah. That's really, really heavy. So these are the kind of things I had someone else tell me recently, they came across a pastor who was seeking counsel on how to be polyamorous. Um, and he didn't know how to do that and be a pastor. And this person didn't even know what that was. They had to look that up because, you know, so, so these are the kinds of things that are increasing all the time and are coming out. And so we're going to see more of it. Bottom line, I think you need a lot of compassion, a lot of grace, a lot of love, a lot of patience, um, and just be wise. Is it fair? Because I, I know that a lot of evangelical leaders are asked to counsel uh, their parishioners, their flock, whatever you want to call them, and but they're being asked to counsel things they have no experience with, no knowledge of. So they usually counsel from a from a standpoint of the Bible because it's the only thing they know. That's right. stupid. Yes. 
I agree. Completely agree. Yeah. Most are not trained. Even those that, you know, have gone to graduate school, have master's degree, doctorate degrees, et cetera, are not trained like they should be. One of the wisest thing I think pastors can do is just refer to professional therapists that are at least going to be more likely to be able to handle situations like that. Yeah. Because most are not trained in a way that they'll even understand what to do this. And there isn't even the same ethical guidelines required of pastors in churches that counselors and therapists have required of them. And that's scary and that's not good. So you need to be even wise about who you talk to in a counseling situation. Well, and to your point earlier, right? I mean, she went into a therapy session or a counseling session with her leader and talked about someone else's business that he then turned around and shared with other people. You, they, they don't, they're not bound by the same client privilege. Well, they, they, they are. They just don't seem to respect those boundaries as yes. much. And I think that comes back to the, this false assumption of power. I mean, yep. when, when you look at it from the big picture, which brings me to my next question, because um, I want to talk a little bit more generically about evangelical, I can never say it, evangelical power structure. Um, why is shame so central to it? And why does that play into why these like salacious details about their personal lives are so, you know, newsworthy? Yeah, great question, Mallory. Thanks. I, two key words. That, that you just said, right? Power and shame. Mm-hmm. Um, p- power is huge. Um, if we're to go back even and look in the Bible, um, J- Jesus starts off at the beginning of his ministry getting tempted by the devil. There's this really fun story to read about how he gets tempted by the devil. And I'm sure some of your listeners will be familiar with this. And he's tempted in three ways. One is to turn stones into bread. The other is to throw himself off the temple. And the other is to bow down and worship the devil right there. And some, someone has said, and I just love this, that the first one, turning stones into bread is a temptation to be relevant. To throw himself off the temple was a temptation to be spectacular. And to bow down and worship was a temptation to be powerful. In other words, in this story, even Jesus is tempted with this thing about power. Power is one of the greatest temptations that exists. Now, his response was, away from me, Satan. Get, get out of here. He didn't give in to any of those. So when these temptations come for something big, that's the right answer. But that's not what we see happening in the evangelical church. The church at large has lost so much of the power and influence it once had. So what's left? Uh, to hang on to any semblance of power that we might get um, or to create structures built on power. You know, for example, Liberty, Liberty University that we're talking about here has a $1.6 billion endowment. Now, that is one form of serious power when you're that significant, right, that you can that you see that happening, a ridiculous amount of money. So power and money go hand in hand. Um, the other issue that you brought up was shame. And uh, we talked a lot about that in our last podcast with you guys. Um, so I won't spend a lot of time uh, talking about it, but it is once again, so, so relevant here. So many of us have grown up in shame-based systems where shame was used to control us. We live with almost a deep-rooted shame in the recesses of our subconscious mind. Um, and you just kind of be a little lighthearted here, kind of humorous side note. You know, I think many of us have given the finger to shame when we decided to get naked and not be ashamed yes. or realize that yeah. God, yeah, right. Or God created a clitoris for one and only reason, right? Devil's only doorbell, one. baby. <laughs> there you go. Or why are there so many nerves in your penis or your nipples, right? So these things, I think, can help us in the ways we get out of this place of shame because God created us with these things that really were meant for joy and pleasure. And yet people who desire power learn pretty quickly that you can control others with shame. It's another means to control other people. And that is just so, so sad. Um, there's this shame-based voyeurism, I think, as well. Uh, you know, this is what, back to that, you mentioned the salacious details here yes. uh, about their personal lives. And I think this is kind of rooted in this, what I'm calling shame-based voyeurism. Um, and another case in point, another university um, which shall remain nameless. Uh, there was a situation with a gal that was raped and uh, it's, it's, it's on the internet. So it's fairly public out there. And she was raped by these other students that were actually involved in the graduate school or seminary of the institution or some friends of theirs. And what happened, the way they treated it, they forced her to share intimate details of it in this sort of, again, counseling situation, a pastoral counseling situation. And it just damaged her so greatly. There was no admission of guilt. There was no um, 
she had gone to the authorities and then they shamed her for going to the authorities about it. And they basically ended up saying, you shouldn't say anything about that man. You should just marry that man. Well, I'm like, God, when, when you're oh. at that level of shame-based uh, manipulation and control, this is like a cult. Um, yes. This is so, so, so damaging. Um, just ridiculous. You know, even, even when we got married many years ago, Cindy's gone now because she had to run off to work. So I apologize for that. But when we got married, our counseling included a question in this written form we had to fill out in the church. And the question was, how far have you gone sexually? Now, the question was poised like it was meant to help us. But when we got with the pastor that actually read through our form, he started asking details. He wanted to know what we had done, what we had touched. And it was the point where I started realizing that, yeah, there was a voyeurism going on here in the same way. This happened in this other situation as well in this in this rape situation where people ask details almost more to get their kicks from the details this is a problem in the church uh and has been for many years and that's the kind of shit that has got to be addressed um there's something so healing to be able to walk away from shame but you've got to be bold in doing it it's a mess yeah i mean that that sounds extremely perverse and and hypocritical i just just to on the, totally. Like just in the beginning of all of that. Um, I can't imagine what it was like to sit there and hear those questions being asked of you go, how is this going to help me at all? Yeah. Like that epiphany must have been a, a little surreal. Yeah. yeah. So you, you talked at the beginning of that question about some of the temptations of, of Christ and, and how he was tempted to be uh, spectacular and tempted to be powerful and there, if anyone that's listening to this is thinking right now, they're also thinking about the temptations of the flesh. So we're going to get to that in a couple of minutes. You know, keep the faith, folks, pardon the pun, but we will get to it. Uh, what I want to talk about before we go down that path is, you know, right now, I mean, I just, just in a quick search and in a little conversation that we had before this conversation, I found three different articles, uh, four actually different articles, where they were talking about you know, sexual experts weighing in on evangelical sexual activity. We found one uh, where CNN felt the need to come out and say, well, since we're talking about it, let's talk about cuckolding on CNN. Fucking CNN had an article about cuckolding yesterday. And then we talk about how now uh, the medium, our medium is coming out and laying out John Christ, who was not really a leader. He was an evangelical comedian. Uh, and then, of course, Becky Falwell gets laid out by media again today. So, this seemingly constant flow of sex scandals, whether we're talking about Jim Baker, Jimmy Swaggart, Joel Osteen, which wasn't a sex scandal, but it was a money scandal. When we talk about all these various pillars of religion. Does this deteriorate their ability to keep the faith? And is it right to denounce sexuality that seems to be the norm and failing? Or is it time for the church to reverse course a little bit and start reexamining the essence of shame as a motivational tool? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I think you answered your own question there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, psychologists have learned the incredible damage that shame causes. Um, you can go out, you know, you know, just order on Amazon a book on shame and read it. If this is something you deal with, I would suggest doing that because psychologists know the damage it causes, but religious leaders have not caught on to that and actually continue to use it. Now, now there are places and churches and authors, et cetera, that, that don't use shame, but they're sort of few and far between. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's definitely a deteriorating. Uh, organized religion and is one of the core aspects that is doing that. In my experience, most millennials and Gen Z, so younger generation adults, um, have a shame radar almost uh, that keeps them far away that any, from any system that tries to use it. And uh, yeah, they just won't stand for it. So they're just, they're just done and out of there. Uh, some of the older generations, not so much. They're sort of used to it. It's almost like a comfy chair, like, you know, that they're used to sitting in. If they listen to a sermon that doesn't come across with enough shame, it wasn't a good sermon or something. <laughs> it's really, really sad. But it, I do... it is. They're conditioned. Yeah. Well, anywhere else in, yeah. in anything else, we call in anything else, we call it bullying. Right. That's Why true. is it OK for the church to do it? But it's yeah. not okay for our kids to do it. We just yeah. taught them how. Yep. No, it's not okay. It is not okay. Yeah, I find that fascinating. And and I know we we poke fun at the younger generations at times, but in that example, we could learn a lot from them. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So 
I also get the distinct impression that between like COVID and now this mess that many uh, evangelicals are scared for so many reasons that they'll abandon their lifestyle to, to conform to, to kind of protect themselves. Now, assuming that, you know, COVID is, is on its way to being behind us. Would you, would you say, should they do that? Yeah. I mean, I think this is one more justification to not take evangelicalism seriously um, rather than abandon your own lifestyle at that point. Um, you, you can still take Jesus seriously. I really believe that. But when, when, when a church does what we're seeing here in the news or an institution does in the news, I mean, this is different, right? It's a university we're talking about. And Jerry Falwell isn't even a pastor. His father was, he's not, he was a real estate guy and an, and a finance guy. Uh, his brother is a pastor and pastors the church that their father once pastored. But nonetheless, this is still an evangelical institution that holds a lot of power. But if you're pursuing an understanding of God as love and goodness and forgiveness and compassion and justice and mercy, uh, kind of things we talked about in the last podcast with you guys, uh, then that question really will answer itself for you. Um, You know, in in fact, I think it's possible that some of the most loving, accepting, non-judgmental relationships you'll have are with people in the lifestyle. Um, another example, last week, and I mentioned Cindy and I were at a new uh, resort that is opened recently. And um, we met this new couple that was from out of town. And, and they were one of the kindest humans that we had met uh, to just be with. Them. I mean, you meet people, uh, all of a sudden, all the barriers are down and you have this sense that there's acceptance um, and a desire to get to know you in a deep way. Um, And we already know, I mean, bonding, our need for love and connection are one of the things that as humans, we need most. That's why children need a mother at the beginning and children who are orphaned have such struggles throughout life because that bonding, that human touch, the desire for deep care in in that relationship uh, might might not exist. Truly, a lot of Christians or, you know, religious people talk about unconditional love. Uh, and truly, you, you might just find unconditional love more readily at a bar or a swingers club than in a church. I actually have to agree with you. I think we're, in, in my opinion, we're a lot better at be, becoming vulnerable, being honest about who we are. And that allows us to make deeper right. and more um, long lasting bonds with other human beings. And in the real life, in the grocery store, or in church or um, my book club, you know, they everyone's much more guarded and it tells me a couple of things that one they're they're not open to know themselves or the stuff they know about themselves they don't necessarily want to reveal because they're ashamed right. so i right. find that interesting we talk about this all the time we talk about hedo yeah. we talk about hedo and we talk about the relationships that are forged at hedo and how visceral they are and how unbelievably deep they feel despite the fact that they're forged over 7 days and it's because right. All of the shame, all of the doubt, all of the worry, it's all stripped away. Right. But you can't do that in an institution where you feel judged and you feel like you have to atone for something every time you walk through the door. No, exactly right. Now, I mean, look at us. I mean, we just met you guys in November. We bumped into you in the ocean and look where we are today. I know. I, feel like, I love it. I, really I, do. I know. Hand, hands down, one of the most pivotal uh, meetings and that I've ever had at Hito ever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was, I'm go sorry back. you can't oh. see my face right now. I call it divine intervention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish you could see my face right now. My cam's not working, but uh, that is about as wide a smile as I can get when we just, that little yes. conversation. Yes, I, I have I to. Yes. <laughs> so I, I have something that is going to rile a few people. And as a listener of this show, you know that we are people that do have opinions, but that doesn't mean we hold yours invalid. It just means that our opinion sometimes is different, and that's okay. And that's why we ask questions, too. Yeah, and that's why we ask questions of experts like Mitch and Cindy. And uh, this one's, like I said, this one's going to turn a few people on their ear, but I think it's a valid question. So it's been often said that man was made in God's own image. It's right there in the writing. You can't miss it. But if that's true, and we can admit that man and woman are sexual beings— isn't it also a fair statement to suggest that God is too? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a deep question. And I'm glad you said in woman, because, you know, typically the, the Bible verse there is that man is created in the image of God. And, and that's another issue that evangelicals have, right, is misogyny and lack of mm-hmm. equality and lack of egalitarianism with women and such. But, yeah, that humans are created in the image of God. Um, apparently, Becky Falwell is way more sexual, though. So uh, <laughs> right. she, she got a little. She she stood in that line longer, I guess. When you, all that stuff's getting passed out, you know, before creation happens or whatever. But this is some deep theology, Mickey. So you know, it's a fascinating question, and we can we can smile at it, but it's definitely some deep theology, and it's in that space of of, of like the unknown in a way. But if we if we're to think about the Trinity, and again, those that have grown up in church are familiar with this concept of, of Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And literally, you get this interesting thing. You got a father that's a male figure, which honestly makes it difficult sometimes for people to even pray like a Lord's Prayer when Father is used because we have so many issues with Father issues, and rightly so. And then there's the Son who we know of as Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit. Interestingly enough, the Holy Spirit in the original language is female. Um, and many people don't know that, but the, 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 the Holy Spirit is the female aspect of the Trinity. So if you have a sense of God being three, being three in one, there's not just a male aspect of God. There's a female aspect of God. And then there's this interesting word called perichoresis, which really just means to dance around. And one of the best ways to describe what the Trinity does is, is this perichoretic act of dancing around with each other. There is this sort of divine model of intimacy in the Godhead would be another way to say that. So while that could feel like a really profane or lighthearted question, it's really not. Um, that, yeah, if people are created in the image of God, there has to be something of that uh, in the sense of why God would have created people like that um, and the intimacy that exists within the Trinity. There are even scholars that think, and I, I don't know a lot about this, but but are asking the question, you know, did Jesus have a wife? Why was was Mary Magdalene Jesus's wife? And and did Jesus therefore have sex? And did Jesus have kids? Um, et cetera, et cetera. And many would believe that those kinds of things could have been suppressed by the views of the early church. And that's why it didn't get passed down. That maybe Jesus was married. You know, honestly, we don't know. We, we don't know. But what it, you, you begin to realize is uh, there is definitely uh, sexuality built into this aspect of who God is and definitely creating humans in the image of God. I love that. So my, I, I just learned so much there when we go back and, and are listening to this for, for editing before we put it out there. I'm writing down that word because that was fantastic. I can't say it right now because I can barely say evangelical. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that was a body part. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, I was, tra- I was transfixed on the conversation and that answer is absolutely beautiful. I learned something. I had no idea the Holy Spirit had a feminine aspect to it. So yeah. you just, you taught me something and, and I thank you for that. Well, then clearly you never watched a Kevin Smith movie because God is Alanis Morissette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I did watch Dogma like 300 times back in the day. Um, but I digress. So this one actually may be more offensive than the one you, Mickey just asked. So in, in many ways, the church and, and sex are, are separate things, right? Um, cause it's, there's this massive chasm of shame, but why as people do we find ourselves calling out to God in bed? It's kind of ironic. Is it just me or does Mickey always come back to this question? I, I, think, I've seen, I think I've seen this question before. I feel like um, it's my default. Like if God didn't want me to screw, why do we all talk about him in bed? Your go-to one. You know, I, I just think, could it be that we're thanking God for the incredible experience of sex in the midst of it? Or could it be this we're subconsciously asking for God's approval in that moment? Oh, Think about that for a second. I mean, we've talked about shame and and there's so much shame that can be wrapped up so closely with sexuality. Could it be that there's something subconsciously, and I, I don't think it's conscious always, but I think it's more unconscious or subconscious underneath the surface that is seeking God's approval rather than just using it as an expletive, you know, which, which some might think. What if it was in a special way just saying, God, there's a blessing here in this thing. And I'm crying out to you for that reason. So there you go. You'll oh, never, you never just, think of that the same way again. I won't. I won't. Turn me on my ear and, and I'm going to take away that shame the next time I say it. I'll say What this. is making call these a mind fuck or something? Yes, yes. There's a little bit of a mind fuck. And this is the problem with interviewing your own goddamn listeners, folks. 
<laughs> but I, I will say that I do thank God every time she touches me because, oh, she is somehow, mm, she's amazing yeah. at it. But, you know, before we uh, get to our, our last question for you here, Mitch, uh, I, I want to address how journalism treats certain folks in the evangelical culture. I mean, when, when we talk about, I talked about medium earlier, uh, you know, the the implications of some of these articles are incredibly damning. Now, uh, a lot of people don't know. As a matter of fact, I've never really talked about it, but I have a personal history with Liberty University, and I have a lot of friends in that area and that have history with that university. And I can tell you, it's kind of been long rumored that there's a pretty active swinger culture in Lynchburg, which is funny in a way, but these rumors, I mean... The, the opening of this article, the article says, and, and to me, this is libelous trash. I said this before, but it's hard to keep up with the sex life of Becky, Becky Falwell, one of the most startling women in all modern Christianity. Did she really see Liberty University, the evangelical stronghold, as her male harem? What a crock of shit to write in, a, in the, the opening of an article. I, I'm stunned by it, and... There's got to be a mechanism by which that this is not okay. Now, they didn't actually say she did anything. They just kind of suggested it, which means it's not going to qualify as libel. But it damn sure isn't satire. Now, was that written by a man or a woman? It was written by a man. Shocker. Sorry. I know. Uh, So this sort of thing, why does it keep happening? Why Why do people feel okay to take shots at people? She wasn't an evangelical leader. She's married to a real estate agent who became a president of a university. So. At what point is it not okay to do this to each other anymore? It's not yeah. godly. It's yeah. not no, kind. No, be kind to your neighbor. No, think about it. If you go back, people? If you go back to the Adam and Eve story, you know, and, and, and just see what happens there, right? What does Adam say? Uh, it's the woman you gave me. She made me eat the fruit. And the blame gets cast on the woman. Is this any different? Right. Point, pointing to, point, you know, let's let Bick back to the scapegoating again. It's safer if someone gets becomes the scapegoat for that. And I think the system is designed to do just that, sadly, sadly. So in 2020 years since the death of Christ, we haven't learned a damn thing is what you're telling me. Yeah. Well, on a positive note, I can say God in bed. Yes, you can. And you <laughs> Sorry. Can, you can thank him for this penis. <laughs> She's going back to that one. And all the others. Oh, well, we're going to have to wrap this up soon, but I know we have one more question for you, so I'm going to take this one. Um, we've talked about this before, but I think people need to hear it. Can you be sexually positive, adventurous, consensually non-monogamous, and still love God, still have a relationship with God, believe in him, and live true to his intent? I think that's really important to talk about before we wrap this up. It is. Great question. Thank you for asking that. Um there's some verses in First Corinthians that says um, all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. Um, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Now, lawful could just be translated permissible there. Um, and beneficial is, is, is something that is to the advantage of the common good. So in other words, if we were to translate that, it's like, don't do this for selfish reasons or in a way that hurts or takes advantage of someone else. Um, that would be the most unloving thing that you could do. But if if we if we turn that question around, instead of, you know, can you still love God? What about if we asked it this way? Can you still be loved by God? Because I, I think if you understand God's love for you, that's way more powerful than any of our human ability to love God. And I think it has to start there because some people often, when you turn your back on this or you leave the church or you've been hurt by it, or you're questioning your own uh, reality, your own behaviors, you're wondering, what does God think of me? Does God love me? And the answer is an unequivocal yes. God loves you. That's transforming. And that'll help deal with the shame we talked about earlier. Um, so, but, but to, to answer your question specifically, can you love God? Yes, of course. Can you believe in God? Yes. Can you live true to God's intent? Definitely, yes. But that's also up to each one of us to discern what that intent might look like. Honestly, what you guys, what, what popped into my mind is is back at Hedo. And uh, when it's one or two in the morning and, and most people have pursued what they wanted to do that evening, um, but, but Mickey's watching 
or, or walking around the, the beach or resort, kind of looking for women who have passed out and, and need to be brought to their rooms. I think that's God's intent. There's, there's a goodness in that. Um, that is what we're talking about. That, that, that's what this is all about. Or when so many relationships are rather selfishly centered on one partner trying to get their own needs met, but you're the type of partner who has enough compersion to allow your partner to find an experience of love, kindness, fun that truly nurtures them. I think that's God's intent. So it's the way you think about this and the way you understand God and the way God understands you. Dude, I uh, I think that that is probably one of the most powerful versions of anything like that I've ever heard, and uh, you know that's uh, that the thing you said about me, I I I'm speechless. I mean, it's not something I tell a lot of people. You're one of the few people that knows that I do that, <laughs> so that's uh, you know, it's my way of looking out for for our people. I mean, I don't have a flock the way you do, but I think that anybody that's at that resort with us knows that I look out for all of them. So. Uh, exactly. You know, much like uh, Cindy had to do, Mallory had to dip out for a work call. So I'm going to uh, bring this to a wrap with you, my friend. I, I do want you to know, though, that uh, the love that you guys share with everybody and the love that you shared with everybody here today, I can feel it from 3,000 miles away. You guys are amazing. And I know that this was a heavy subject, guys, but it was one that needs to happen because it's in the news cycle right now. And you need to know that there are people out there that do live in God's intent and they do love God and they also are comfortable in their own skin as being sexual beings because you are made in God's image and you are not perfect, but neither was he. So Mitch, uh, thank you very much. Do me a favor. Can you tell folks where to find you? Because today, much like you didn't have last time, you have an email address where our listeners can get a hold of you and ask their own questions. Yeah, we do. And feel free to put that in the show notes and stuff, because I can never remember it exactly what it is, because uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of long. So um, I want to say it's seventhdimensioncoaches at gmail.com, uh, where you can get a hold of either me or Cindy if you want to email us directly there. Um, but Mickey will put it in the show notes so you've got that exact email address. And if you want to email us any question or talk about any of this, or, I mean, we do coaching with people, both of us do to kind of help them walk through all kinds of life's issues. We'd love to connect with you that way. And I would love for people to connect with you that way, because I come away from every conversation we have, even the ones floating in the ocean, feeling better about who I am as a human being, which is pretty awesome. So I'm going to do something here that I never do on this show, Mitch. You ready for this? I'm going to tell people how to find us. And this is normally Mallory's job, but she bailed on me. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been a lot of fun. It's been enlightening for me, and I loved every second of it. If you're looking for more Casual Swinger, you're looking to reach out to us, you can do that anywhere you love podcasts. We're all over the place. If you're listening to this, you found us somewhere. But keep in mind, we're also on all the dating sites. That's SDC, SLS, Cassidy, Double Date Nation, Quiver. We're on Kick. We're on Facebook. We're all over the place, even Instagram. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. We love reviews. As a matter of fact, I get off to them in the closet alone by myself. And of course, you can reach out to us directly at podcast at casualswinger.com. This has been a blast having Mitch on the show and talking a little bit about a relationship with God. This episode's been called Heaven Forbid. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Casual Swinger. Casual Swinger.